Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sunny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. I want to thank all of our friends of the show. We've got B-Boys Honey, locally sourced and made uh, honey here in Manitoba, available at a wide variety of stores. Um, try the cinnamon honey, that's my favorite. We got Selfix Doctors located at 666 St. James Street. Please visit them for any cell phone, tablet, screen repair needs you might have. Mention the Seems Legit podcast. Receive 10% off. We got Skin Dimensions Tattoos and Piercings here in Winnipeg, located on Corden Avenue, right beside Bar Italia. Go see them for any tattooing and piercing needs you might have. They've done the bulk of my work and I uh, can't say enough good things about them. We've got, uh, who else do we have here? we got uh, Zero Gravity Games down in Fayetteville, Georgia. Please visit them for any used, rare, and vintage gaming needs you might have. Stop on by the shop. Say hi to Ronnie, Mac, and Justin for Sunny. They'll appreciate it. Um, and then last but not least, we've got the Vegas Squares podcast. Sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. Check them out. Uh, they cover the entire gamut of uh sports uh college professional you name it um and last but not least a big thank you to all of you for the continued and growing support here on the seems legit podcast really it means the world to me so thank you so much um also quick reminder if you're not already doing so please follow me on both twitter and instagram at the dude sunny d all right uh hockey playoffs another round is in the books uh didn't quite pan out the way i thought it would but let's get into it. Let's take a look at what has happened and uh, let's make some predictions for the next round and moving forward. It seems like I'm having to readjust my predictions every round uh, because I just can't get around right this year. So fuck, that's not good. But anyway, uh, so Carolina was the first team to move on. They swept the New York Islanders, which I did not foresee. Um, however, I guess, um, it does go to something I've said in the past. Um, and I always talk about with my friends is that if you, I believe if you've had tougher opponents in previous rounds, the next rounds become easier. And whilst Barry Trotz is a great coach, um, and I think he was the difference as to why Washington didn't get through this round. I think if they had had Barry Trotz again as their coach, I think they win the cup again. I just, I think their, their coach was a little too inexperienced, um, to overcome some of the obstacles that uh, Washington had and faced. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, a Barry Trotz coached Islander team was a little depleted and uh, just didn't have enough in the tank to beat uh, Carolina, which is proving to be our Cinderella story of the year so far. Um, Islanders, I think, also became the first team uh, in NHL history to get a sweep in the first round and then get swept in the second round. So that was kind of a weird... Um, interesting turn of events also i guess it goes to show like and i think a big narrative coming out of the first round was is that crosby malkin pittsburgh dynasty over have they seen their best days now i mean a second round loss to washington last year first round exit this year but then again look it was almost 10 years between uh crosby cups and then he wins back to back so you never know um but more importantly islanders are out carolina moved on and they did it with their backup goalie. That's the crazy thing. Is um, their number one goalie, Peter Morazic. Um, and actually, when you look at both goalies, these were goalies that kind of, I mean, found themselves in situations where nobody wanted them. And um, Peter Morazic, uh, if we forget, not that long ago, was in Detroit and was chasing Jimmy Howard for the number one job. And then I guess the, the Red Wings decided Howard's our guy uh, and got rid of Morazic. 
So Morazic found himself in Carolina. He was the number one guy. Got hurt, I think it was in game one. Curtis McElhaney comes in, making getting his first playoff win at like 36 years old or something like that. I forget what it was. Uh, but Curtis McElhaney comes in. They don't even take they don't even take a step back at all. And McElhaney goes on to win the series uh, for them. So interestingly enough, uh, we just see that kind of play out in a very interesting manner. Um, so, I mean, things are the way they are. Uh, Carolina, I don't know how they, fa- uh, you know, it, it's hard because I haven't, pre- I haven't picked them through a round yet. So it's hard to now all of a sudden jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, hey, I think Carolina's winning the cup. I just don't know. And with not knowing whether their success is predictable, whether it's been an overachievement so far. I mean, they do have Justin Williams. They do have a cool, um, and he's a great leader. He was um, incredibly instrumental in LA's last cup win um, where he got the Consumite trophy. And I think what's interestingly, what's interesting enough is Rod Brindamore was the captain when Carolina won their cup. He's now their coach. Justin Williams scored the cup clinching goal that year and is now the captain of Carolina. So it's amazing how things come full circle. Uh, with that being said, uh, they will face the big bad Bruins uh, who dispatched of Columbus and ended that Cinderella run. Uh, there was a moment there where Columbus, I think they were up two to one in the series. I mean, we've seen two nothing series leads go away. We've seen three nothing series leads go away. Uh, I think the Bruins just dug a little deeper. I think that, you know, it's it's like anything in sports, but especially in hockey with the salary cap era, you only have windows of so long. And the Bruins' window of consistency and consistently being good um, and being one of those top teams in the Eastern Conference has gone on for quite a while now. And it's interesting to see that they've, again, found a new gear um, that top line of Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marshawn, I mean, is hell to deal with. Tuka Rask is playing unbelievably well in net. And I think a big part of Tuka Rask's success in net is, A, he's, I mean, he he's won a Vesna Trophy. He's long been regarded as consistently one of the best goalies over the last, I mean, decade-ish since he took over the number one job from Tim Thomas. Before that, he was the best backup in the game. I mean, that's amazing that Boston had that, where they had Tim Thomas as your number one, and you still have Tuka Rask on the fucking bench. So so I think the Bruins were a little too much for Columbus. I think Columbus kind of just, they ran out of gas in the tank. It's sad because I think it deter it, it took away from the focus of what um, the issues in Columbus were. I, I long said Columbus was the big loser of the trade deadline. I think even though they made it out of the first round, they still very well are the big losers of the trade deadline. Uh, maybe Ottawa, but I mean, Ottawa just basically said, okay, fucking take everyone. Um, they threw in the towel. Columbus gave away the farm to bring in talent. It got them through a round. I think if they've made an Eastern Conference final, then maybe they're not as big uh, of losers of the trade deadline. But it's tough now. I think it took away from... Uh, some big issues that happen there of a team with expiring talent um, that are probably all going elsewhere. Dezingle, Duchesne, Panarin, and Bobrovsky. I don't know if Yarmo Kekalainen can keep them. I think maybe making it out of the first round has saved Kekalainen's job. But I think he's got a very, very long, tough, shitty summer ahead of him in Columbus. 
Um, sad to see that. I was rooting for Columbus. Once Washington got eliminated, I was rooting for Columbus. Um, but it is what it is. They're gone. And Boston moved on. So Boston moving on. It sets up an interesting Eastern final. You have the Big Bad Bruins, who I kind of said coming into the second round, I remember telling someone that I think the Bruins have secretly become the team to beat and maybe the favorites to win the cup. Uh, But people are like, oh, no, it's probably San Jose. And I get it. San Jose did get through a stacked Vegas team uh, coming back from 3-1. to But I do still... I mean, I have to go with those Bruins. They've they looked good. They've looked relatively good in in both rounds. They've gotten through kind of unscathed, kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Um, Brad Marchand's coming off of a hundred point season, lest we forget. So keep that in mind as well. Um, Brad Marchand has found a new gear um, in his play. Uh, Zdeno Chara's career is kind of winding down. I mean, I think he's now played in three decades, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, if he sees two more years, he will have played in four fucking decades. The 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s. Um, I don't know if he has two more years in him, but who knows. But nonetheless, so it could be Boston's last really good shot at winning a cup. And I mean, with the teams that have been eliminated prior uh, to that in the Eastern Conference, they got through Toronto, who I mean, when on paper, has been the toughest matchup they've had. Uh, and is one of those ones where, I mean, as I've said, Toronto should be beating Boston by now. Uh, but regardless, uh, they've got through Toronto. Pardon me. I think when you look at it, they've gotten through their toughest test. And any possible tougher tests that would have ar- uh, arisen in the Eastern Conference were taken care of. So they didn't have to face Washington. They didn't have to face Tampa Bay. They didn't have to face Pittsburgh. I like their chance against Columbus more than I like their chance against any of those other teams. Maybe they beat Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, maybe they grind out Tampa Bay. I don't think they beat Washington. I think Washington had to get through that first round. Washington's one of those teams, they stumble, right? If they can get some momentum going, they're a tough team to beat. They had a weird season, but nonetheless, Boston, I think, um, beats Carolina. I think the Cinderella story kind of strikes midnight there. And you're going to see um, Boston make it through the Stanley Cup final in the East. In the West, you see um, there was one Cinderella story. I don't consider the other one as much of a Cinderella story, as much of a redemption story. Um, but both came to an end. Uh, St. Louis relatively easily, I guess. Not relatively easily. I think they took seven games as well to dispatch of Dallas. Dallas hung in there a lot better than I thought they were going to. Uh, as a matter of fact, Dallas got through two rounds that I didn't think, uh, or got into the second round when I didn't think they were going to do that. I thought Nashville um, had the favorable matchup against Dallas. Uh, it turns out I was wrong. But I knew St. Louis, I had a feeling St. Louis, and I picked St. Louis to get through. And they've been the best team in, the, in, the, in 2019. I think lest we forget, they have been the best team since twenty um, the start of 2019. Since hockey started again, in the calendar year of 2019, St. Louis Blues have been the best team in the league. Uh, Jordan Binnington has looked great. Uh, I mean, even sometimes when he's looked kind of like, oh, is the is the run over? He fucking finds a new gear. And I think it's because of that maturity level in goalies. Goalies do take those extra couple or few years to develop. So that by the time if they've developed properly and they make it to the NHL, 
I think they're a little calmer, a little comp uh, more composed. Their mental game is stronger than sometimes these goalies that, yeah, are flash in the pants because they get rushed in. They're, you know, young. They've got the acrobatic, uh, you know, the acrobatic talents. Whatever it might be is their story for that short window of success. The goalies that take the time to mature properly, man, do they uh, fucking excel. Uh, a great example. I mean, Carey Price took a couple of years to get going, um, but when he did, I mean, people consider him to be the best of his era. Pecorine is up there. Um, but a great example is Braden Holtby over in uh, Washington. Uh, you look at the depth chart that they've had in their net. I mean, at one point they had, if I'm not mistaken, they would have had Semyon Varlamov, Michael Neuverth, Braden Holtby, and Philippe Grubauer all in the system at the same time. I mean, that is a fucking logjam of goaltending talent. Now it's been dispersed, and all of them are having relative success. Grubauer and uh, Varlama find themselves in Colorado. Um, what's his name? Um, Holpe's been the guy in Washington for quite some time now. And Phoenix Copley's come in and, I mean, is the backup, understands that. The thing with Grubauer is he had a chance last year to prove, oh, I'm the guy. I guess it was, and I said this, I didn't, even going into the playoffs, even though he was looking better down the stretch than Holpe, I didn't think he was ready to be the guy. I still felt Holpe was the guy in the Washington net. Uh, and he proved it. They won the cup. And I mean, there was some, had he not let in five or seven goals, whatever it was in game one of the Stanley Cup final, it would have been a much closer race, I think, than people realized for that consummate trophy between him and Alex Ovechkin. Uh, but nonetheless, Ovechkin got it and Holpe looked uh, absolutely dynamite. But, uh, so you've seen that kind of situation happen. I think you're seeing it in St. Louis now where Jordan Bennington is going to be the guy. Uh, Jake Allen had his chance. Uh, but, I mean, when you're not having consistent results, uh, even when Brian Elliott was there, when it was Elliott and Allen, I mean, it was a tough decision for the coaches to make because it was like, okay, which one, uh, you know, the lesser of two kind of goalies that we're not fully confident in. Which one gives us the edge? And I mean, they were going with, I mean, Elliott's looked good at some times. He's looked great in some situations. Other times he's looked shaky as hell. And I think they went with Jake Allen because they said, well, he's a better puck handler. Binnington's a better puck handler than uh, Allen and a better goalie than Allen. So I think now you're going to see Jake Allen either have to take a step as the backup or he's on the move looking for his own redemption story. Uh, but nonetheless, St. Louis has looked good. I think they look tough to beat. Uh, it's a rematch from a few years ago in the Western Final. Um, and as I said, Dallas was an interesting one. I don't think they were a Cinderella story as much as a redemption story for a lot of players. Uh, Jason Spezza showed up out of obscurity to score um, some clutch goals and get some points for Dallas. Um, Radulov looked great at the end of the season. Um, Sagan, a chance to kind of really show the superstar that he can be. Jamie Benn, again, people forget, just a couple, of, a few years ago, he'd won um, the Art Ross Trophy. Uh, so lest we forget, Ben Bishop never looked had never looked the same since that cup run with uh, Tampa Bay, where I think he really fucked up his leg good. Um, and I mean, that just, it went to show, it, it spoke a lot about John Cooper's decision there that it was better to put an injured goalie in net than put Andre Vasilevsky in the net. Um, and that's why I've always struggled with buying into the Vasilevsky hype. Um, and I think that's why they've struggled in the playoffs. I just... It's tough when your coach, and it's been the same coach, at one just a short time ago said, "You know what, fucker? 
I'd rather have the guy with one leg be in net than you. And, I mean, Ben Bishop got traded away and whatever. It was a nice redemption story for him. Uh, he's a Vezina finalist this year. He might very well get it. Uh, I think out of all the Vezina um, trophy winners uh, we've had in recent years, this might be one of the... It was actually overall, I'd say, a weaker year for goalies. I mean, goalies were getting used to the smaller equipment this year. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but not to make excuses, I think it was just one of the weaker years in terms of goaltending performances overall. As such, I mean, the three finalists are Bishop, Leonard, uh, who had his own redemption story. It was like the year of redemption in goaltending. I honestly can't remember who the fucking third nominee is. But nonetheless... Bishop's in there. It was a redemption story, but, I mean, all good things come to an end. I didn't have Dallas making it out of the first round. I sure as hell didn't have them making it out of the second round. It didn't happen. On the other side of the Western bracket, though, we've got San Jose, uh, which, I mean, for sentimental reasons, I picked Colorado, and I'd said this before when making my second-round predictions. That top line is good. Nathan McKinnon took his game to a whole new level this year in this postseason. Uh Pardon me, establishing himself as truly a top uh, five player in the league, if not top three right now. A lot of people thinking he's up there with McDavid. Uh, difference is he got his team to the playoffs, McDavid didn't. Um, it'll be interesting to see going into next year. Again, as they get off to their better starts. I mean, Kucherov, fuck, it's, it's hard when you have, I mean, Kucherov's a skilled player, don't get me wrong. It's taken until 25 to get, to put up the numbers he's putting up. Uh, but... Playing on a team like Tampa Bay with that skill level and that talent depth, yeah, I can see how you get 130 points, uh, especially with the goalies having smaller equipment this year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see between Rotan, Nathan McKinnon, and uh, Connor McDavid going into next season. I think the two of them are going to push each other huge in the Western Conference. San Jose, though, just I was a little too little too late by Colorado. They had that goal call back um, yesterday, which, I mean, was the right decision at the end of the day. I am a Colorado fan. And it's funny because... As fans of a sport or of a team, we have this bias that, you know, anytime a call goes against our team, our team was wronged. I think we kind of ha- can put on, you know, our ha- our sport hats and look at it from a holistic view and just be like, ah, mate, that was the right call. Our team fucked up. Colorado fucked up. Landis Cog admitted it. It was a stupid, silly mistake. Um, not just on his part, but everybody on the bench. The fact that nobody was opening the fucking gate for him. Uh, the fact that he didn't take one extra stride, clear the zone, and try and get off. All of these things. Um, but regardless, uh, a goal got turned back. Um, and then not only that, but then they didn't even tie the game. Then they got, um, San Jose ended up scoring the next goal to go up 3-1. to one, And that was too little too late. Um, because a team that is as experienced as San Jose, it's that experience level sometimes that gets you through. They've been in the trenches. They've been, they've, you know, they consistently have deep playoff runs. Uh, I think the last time they got eliminated in the first round would have been by LA maybe. I can't remember, but I think that was one that was, and that was forever ago now. It was, what, five years ago? So uh, keeping in mind, San Jose usually gets the second and third round, if not the cup final now, uh, a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh. It's going to be an interesting rematch, as I said, from those few years ago between San Jose and St. Louis. Uh, San Jose isn't getting any younger. Uh, their top players aren't getting any younger. Uh, it's nice that they've added some players like Timo Meyer, Vander Kane. Uh, Martin Jones is looking really good. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting battle uh, between those veterans, um, which players have the bigger chips on their shoulders. I think it's going to be a really tough, grinded-out series. Um, both teams look a little different. I mean, St. Louis has a different captain. Patr- 
is it Petrangelo now, I think, is their captain. Uh, back then it was David Backus. Uh, they don't have Stasny anymore. Uh, their goaltending's different. San Jose has the same goalie from back then. It was kind of Martin Jones's first good run as a starting goalie. He's now been around the block a couple of times, understands maybe the holes that he had in his game back then. Um, and I think they were more mental than physical. Um, also, too, he had the probably the cushiest job at the time, um, being the backup goalie to Jonathan Quick in L.A., uh, it was a nice rotation they had there, especially given that Quick doesn't play 70, 80 games a season. Uh, so you're getting a lot of quality starts as a backup goalie. And I mean, as such, I mean, we saw it with Jonathan Bernier as well. There's only so long you're willing to sit behind a guy who's only playing 45 to 50 of the games. Um, and then, oh, by the way, you're getting now handed the reins in the playoffs. Like, wait, 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 wait a fucking second here. I, I was just, I, my numbers are the same. Like, what the fuck? Um, Martin Jones, though, has been much more successful. I think always was a better goalie than Jonathan Bernier. Uh, and that, as such, that's why he got um, San Jose was willing to take him up, and he became their number one. Also, huge upgrade in that San Jose net from uh, Antti Niemi. Uh, law, for a long time now, I think, and, and moving forward, I think Antti Niemi is going to be very well regarded as um, the wor- probably the worst number one goalie to get a Stanley Cup. For a long time, it looked like Cam Ward, but Cam Ward was good in those playoffs that they won. The year that Niemi won it with Chicago, I think even if Chicago or Philadelphia had won it, I think everybody would have unanimously kind of said, like, this is the weakest goaltending to win a cup. Either way, if Chicago wins or Philadelphia, I mean, Leighton looked good. He had three shutouts in one round, I believe. Um, but... Again, and Leighton was probably is probably better. I mean, he had the back issues, but was probably better goalie than even Nantiniemi back then, and probably had he have not had the um, injury issues, very well probably would have ended up being a better goalie than Nantiniemi. Uh, so it was a huge upgrade in the San Jose net, which they needed, because um, they hadn't had consistently great goaltending since Evgeny Nabokov, uh, and I mean Nabokov was arguably the reason why they were a top team for all those years. Uh, when, I mean, that was pre-salary cap era, you look at uh, some of that, so anyway, and some of the teams that they had to face in the West, I mean, they were the fourth best team consistently, and always pushing to be in that top three, top two, I mean, they were getting the points um, up there, so, you know, lest we forget, but, I mean, they they had this, the powerhouse Avalanche, Detroit, and Dallas teams to deal with, uh, so, I mean, but it's longevity, consistently, They've actually been the best of all those teams over that period of time. So um, they don't have the cups to show for it. But, I mean, consistently um, and consistency-wise, you have to give San Jose some credit and have found ways to, you know, pick up for shortcomings and whatnot. Martin Jones is the best goalie they've had in a long time in that net. Uh, So interesting series. So let's make some predictions here moving forward uh, into the uh, Stanley Cup Final. I do think um, it could very well be San Jose's time again to get out of the West. Uh, I think they just have a little more depth than St. Louis, but St. Louis has surprised me. Uh, not against Dallas. Uh, and I get I me mean, not even really against Winnipeg. It, I guess it just comes down to which Jordan Binning, not which Jordan Binnington, which goalies steals it more. And goaltending-wise, I give the edge to St. Louis. You know what? Let's go with this. I'm going to pick St. Louis to beat San Jose. I think it's going to be a long, drawn-out, tough series. Uh, and I think whichever team gets through is going to be fucking depleted, uh, sadly. But I think um, St. Louis gets their revenge from a few years ago. Craig Brubay's looked amazing as a coach. Um, 
So St. Louis gets through in the West. Boston, I think, is going to be too much for Carolina. They got through relatively unscathed against um, Columbus. Even though they won six games uh, and Carolina went four, um, Carolina still had seven games in the first round, and it was a tough first round. So I think uh, when all said and done, Boston gets through. And I think just based on the wear and tear that those two Western Conference teams are going to put on each other, I do think the Boston Bruins get the cup. I think Marchand gets a second cup ring. Um, and in all likelihood, Brad Mar- one of those guys on that top line, if not Tuka Rask, gets the Conn Smythe Trophy. Uh, so that'll be something to watch uh, point totals over the next couple of rounds, um, especially if those are the two teams that make it through. But as of right now, my prediction is the Boston Bruins uh, over Carolina, St. Louis over San Jose, and the Boston Bruins over um, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, with probably Brad Marchand getting the cup ring. I mean, the uh, Conn Smythe Trophy as well as the second cup ring. It's been an interesting playoffs uh, for hockey. And when you think about it, the thing that's interesting too is now in the West, now in the conference finals, you have some interesting stories that might re-engage audiences. A lot of the interesting teams and storylines were taken out in the first round. Sid the Kid... Uh, The powerhouse Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington potentially repeating up in Canada. All the Canadian teams eliminated in the first round, uh, even though I knew Calgary wasn't going to make it out of the first. Uh, Winnipeg coming off of their uh, Western Conference final appearance last year, getting eliminated and looking shitty uh, in the process against St. Louis. Uh, Vegas blowing a 3-1, I think, series lead they had against San Jose. Um, the only thing that saved that was that San Jose was the team to do it. Um, and the West had some interesting storylines. Colorado, uh, with the roller coaster season they had this year, them getting through the second round, all of that, I mean, was really interesting. So when you think about it, the West had some interesting storylines. You had the underdog storylines, but when you have those big main focus storylines go away, other sports kind of taking center stage. I mean, I mean, this is the first playoffs in how long? I think LeBron had made nine straight NBA final appearances and then now doesn't even make the playoffs. It's the first playoffs in forever in the NBA that didn't have LeBron James. Uh, you have all these other interesting storylines. Can Houston now come back down 3-2 to two against Golden State? Uh, Toronto has the chance now, I think, going into game six to put away. Uh, who are they playing? Oh, Philadelphia. Uh, make it to another Easter, make it to the Eastern Final, um, and then play Milwaukee, uh, who's looked good with Giannis. I can't pronounce his last name, or don't even really know what his last name is, Antikonopoulos or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so they've got that. The baseball season has just started, especially with those big, um, it was Trout and Harper, the huge signings in baseball. So I didn't even, I think Manny Machado signed a huge deal too. So, I mean, there's three or four big signings uh, in baseball. Um, the Masters, of course, Tiger Woods winning the Masters. So there's been a lot of other interesting storylines in other sports that now take away and deter away from NHL playoffs. So this has been an, a weird and intre- um, playoffs in the sense that it shows the power of parity now caused by the salary cap. It also shows that sometimes, yeah, if you make that gamble that, hey, you know what, let's try and stack the team for a playoff run, that you can surprise yourself and do relatively well, which Columbus did. But I think it also kind of hurts the game when you're not having the big storylines moving forward. And I think going into next year, 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the NHL recovers and how those big teams, what happens? What are the, some of the storylines going into the summer? Uh, do you see Pittsburgh maybe kind of rebuild and retool? What happens in Washington? I think Washington, um, it's a coaching thing. I think I, not so much a, a retooling, but I could see them retooling a little bit. Um, not losing players, but maybe trying to pick up some um, some pieces. Uh, Columbus is going to be an interesting to watch. And whoever wins the Cup... Uh, Boston is going to be the first team other than Washington, I think, to have, uh, in this in the 2010s uh, that wasn't a repeat or a multiple-time champion already to get a cup. Uh, San Jose, this could be Joe Thornton's uh, year. St. Louis has never won a cup. Uh, San Jose's never won a cup. Carolina and Boston have won cups. So one of the two teams in the East, if the Eastern Conference wins the cup this year, uh, which would represent the fourth straight time an Eastern Conference team has done it, uh, will have already won a cup. San Jose and St. Louis, uh, they're looking for their first in franchise history. Joe Thornton, after the storied career he's had, it'd be nice to see him get a cup. Uh, this might be his, really his last great shot at it, so it'll, that'll be interesting to see. So there are still some storylines. I hope we all stay tuned and keep watching. Um, the fi the uh, Eastern Conference Final starts tonight, so keep that in mind. And then the Western Final won't start tomorrow, but it will start Saturday night, um, which will kind of compete with the UFC a little bit. I think the game might be on before the UFC, uh, so, keep that, uh, so keep that in mind as well. But just interesting how these playoffs have developed, especially with all the other sporting news and events happening around it. Uh, regardless, has been an interesting run. It's been fun to cover, fun to talk about, uh, fun to watch, uh, fun to hypothesize about. Uh, I think that another interesting thing, uh, I mean, if you're Mike Babcock, you're probably uh, having a sigh of relief a little bit. Uh, that none of those coaches, I mean, that again, that could challenge his mantle. Uh, moved on. Uh, Peter DeBauer's not going to do it because he hasn't won a cup yet. Uh, Craig Berube, I mean, could win a cup, but I, I mean, doesn't put in necessarily in Babcock League. Uh, in Boston, it's a new coach. Uh, who else? Uh, Carolina Rob Brendan Moore. That that's just an interesting story. If you can captain and coach a team in the modern era to a cup, that's fucking unreal. But regardless, we'll see how this all plays out. Anyway, I thank you so much for tuning in. Jesus, nice uh, burp there on my part as I'm trying to exit uh, my own show. All right, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, hope you tune in to the next two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I know I'm going to be uh, watching intently. Hopefully I've gotten it right this round and moving forward. As I said, Boston out of the East, St. Louis out of the West, Boston winning the Cup. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. If you're not already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Take care and bye-bye for now.